Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Sunday, August 29th, and we just wrapped up, well, yesterday anyway, wrapped up the Ironman National in Crawfordsville, Indiana, and we also had a MotoGP race today. So for those of you who are interested in MotoGP, I'll do a little recap with some thoughts here at the end of this podcast. Before we get too far, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Blenzol Oils, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, Fast Foundry, and Fly Racing. Iron Man. I don't know. For those of you who haven't been, I'm sure there are a lot of you listening that have never been to this track. Uh, it is a, a pretty popular one on a lot of levels. You know, they have a ton of GNCC stuff that goes on at this track. And I think it's genuinely or generally, whichever, whichever you want to pick, liked by most of the riders too. It's pretty neutral. The dirt's pretty good other than Dylan Ferrandis' comments about the sawdust. He clearly didn't like that, but I don't think it draws a lot of love or hate from the riders. Uh, For me personally, I've only ridden it once. I liked it. It was really soft the day I rode it, so it wasn't great conditions, but a day like yesterday where it's tacky uh, you know, they worked on it a bunch. It was hot, but um, I think the track was was pretty good overall. Provided a, a pretty nice racetrack. There was passing. There were multiple lines. Everything you would want out of a racetrack. And in the 250 class, I don't really know what to make of Justin Cooper's ride. Um, I mean, clearly just not, not the day he was looking for. So I've heard rumors that he was sick. I, I don't know that those are confirmed. I also heard that he was sick at uh, Bud's Creek as well. And when you look at the way the last few weekends have gone, we were three three races in a row, the second motos have been really tough for Justin Cooper. So that would lead me to believe that there's something going on with his uh, fitness or an ailment somewhere along the line because the drop-off has been significant and severe. And that's just not typical. You know, that's not what we've seen all year long. That was uh, that was obviously a change coming out of Washougal. So uh, I have heard that he's been under the weather. So I'm just going to go with that. And and that's going to lead me to believe that he's just not strong in these second motos. And the, the short break and the quick turnaround is leaving him with less than ideal amounts of energy for the second moto. Because it's just, it's really noticeable. You know, the first motos have been good. This weekend, you could just really point to it wasn't quite fast enough. I don't think it didn't look like an energy thing. He just didn't have the, the pace. But the second moto, I think, is pretty clear. Uh, when those guys, you know, Shimoda's and those guys are coming up and passing him and, 
relegating him backwards. That's not what we're used to seeing from Justin Cooper really at all. That hasn't happened very often, uh, only a couple times. And I thought Jeff Emig did a good job of mentioning that he had a really rough qualifying session, which is usually a strong suit for him. If anything, he can do one lap really strongly and he just had nothing in qualifying, uh, comparatively. So that was another indicator that just a bad day. Now your race winner, Joe Lawrence had a phenomenal day and I think he would have had his hands full with Jeremy Martin. You know, we saw the lap times, we saw Jay Mart making that huge charge, but that shouldn't discredit anything that Jet was doing. He was great. He rode phenomenally well, checked out big time, uh, really in both motos. And I don't want to say it was easy because I don't think it's ever easy. I, I think looks can be deceiving uh, because he's trying hard. I, I think, you know, all that work you put in, and especially at the beginning of the moto, like he's pushing the envelope. He just happened to be faster. And maybe the second half of the moto was pretty easy. After Jamar went down in the second second moto, he just pretty much bailed on everybody. But he certainly looked like the best rider in the class uh, with, with Jamar's injury. So it's it's looking good for him. Uh, 11-point lead, I believe, going from memory, with two tracks coming up that I believe favor him. Uh, this, this Paula track, we saw how good he was there early this season. He, he just looked like the best rider in the class that day as well. And I'm sure he will carry that confidence both from the Paula one and also from such a great day at Ironman. Then you go into Hangtown. It's a track that he hasn't raced a professional national on, but he has raced, uh, he raced a regional amateur qualifier there. And I think it just works well for what he does. Well, uh, traction, trying to find traction and, working with the track more than, uh, more than attacking it. And that's, that's really suits his skill set. So I've been picking Justin Cooper to be your champion for weeks now. I hate to say it, but I've got to change my tune both because of what I'm seeing from jet and also what I'm seeing from Justin Cooper. You know, they've really diverged here in the last few weeks where Justin's trending down and and jets really trending up. And, uh, that's just the way racing goes sometimes. And that's why, we have long series because uh, there there are certain trends and things happen. So, you know, if, if it had been early in the series, you wouldn't say that Jet was the best guy. He had weeks in there when he was really struggling, in my opinion. He didn't look that great at all. Um, races like Thunder Valley, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but I remember there were certain weekends where he was running around four, five, six. Southwick was one where he just didn't look great. And now you fast forward a month or two past that, and he looks like the best rider in the series again. Um, so yeah, it's just the ebb and flow of a series that's 12 rounds over three or four months. These, these things happen. And if you've ever followed the MXGP series, you know, you know their, their series is what, eight months, something like that. I mean, so many things change throughout the course of a series that long. It's really easy to get uh, a little bit of recency bias or be victim of the moment and draw conclusions that will make you look silly uh, down the stretch. Definitely want to give a shout-out to Jeremy Martin. Hope he heals up quickly. You know, it just feels like it's been one injury after another, and you just wonder if they were correlated. You know, as the shoulder injury in Supercross made him a little bit weaker. He has a crash at... Um, Thunder Valley, right? We didn't we didn't think he would be even be racing then. Then he hurts himself worse. Then he is practicing after the Thunder Valley crash, breaks fingers because he can't hold on well. So that's 
a correlation of the previous crash. And then this one, you don't know, right? It could have just been its own isolated incident, which I would probably lean towards that. That's a fair assumption. But when these things happen, it's really hard to not think that they don't have some sort of connection or that they didn't snowball somehow, right? When he lands sideways is his shoulder and his wrist and his fingers and (laughs) all these things that are injured, are they all lessening his grip strength? And when things go awry, it it is disallowing him to hold onto the motorcycle as strongly as he normally would. Now, I don't know. That's that's conjecture and, you know, just asking the question, but you just hate to see it because it's like compounding effects now. And I think he's doing the right thing. He's obviously injured, so I don't think he has a choice, but you could argue he should have taken more time off. You know, he did get what three wins out of four, four weekends. So he probably made six figures there easily. I would guess somewhere in the 125 to $150,000 range for those three wins. So it's hard to argue that he made a wrong decision, but now he's got to go rest and heal. And then, uh, yeah, begin the, the hard road back to being a hundred percent for, you know, supercross whenever he decides, whichever coast he decides to be on for next year. I want to mention Joe Shimoda also. What a great day for him. He rode this track really well last year, so he had some uh, foreshadowing that he might be good. He qualified well. He was strong in both motos. And, yeah, I I think he's a really nice kid. I don't know him at all. I've never talked to him. But, uh, yeah, it's it's easy to cheer for him for whatever reason. He just seems respectful and uh, very hardworking. Hunter Lawrence, for those of you who are kind of wondering what Hunter's deal was, he was sick, uh, which is the theme right now in this in the sport. Uh, everyone is sick right now, whether it's COVID or Epstein-Barr or they have COVID and they don't want to tell anybody that they have COVID. Uh, there's some of that going on too, I think. But there are a lot of sick people uh, in this series right now, both riders, teams, mechanics uh, across the board. So Hunter Lawrence fell victim to that, and you could definitely see his results suffering Uh in the interim of that too. So for those of you who are new listeners for the 450 class, we do a power rankings. For those of you who have listened week in and week out, I first, I thank you. And second, you'll know that these are just jumping off points. Uh, there, there is a little bit of change this week. I tried to add in a few new guys cause I felt like they deserved it. And, uh, yeah, it just gives me a basis to work from and I can, I can make a few comments off of those guys themselves. So at number 10, I had Cody shock and, you know, I've really been really careful about putting in 250 Supercross guys, and I spoke with uh, some of Christian Craig's inner circle earlier this year about it because, you know, not like anybody really cares, but they were giving me a hard time that Christian wasn't in there, and, and he deserved to be in there. And I I ended up putting him in there for a while, but with Christian DNFing last week and then not racing this week, I felt like it was a great opportunity for Cody Shock to get a mention here. And his progression over the last year and a half – has to be one of the most remarkable I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he was not very good at Supercross last, uh, let's say, May, June. You know, that Salt Lake run. I remember we were laughing at how often he was crashing at Salt Lake. And it's not like we meant any harm by it, you know, but it's myself, Wygant, and Mathis, and we're bored out of our minds. We can't. We have masks on. There's no one at the race, just us. And yeah, we're watching and he just keeps crashing. I mean, every single time that kid hit the racetrack, he was on the ground and it just became this running joke. And you fast forward to now and he's not a joke anymore. He is anything but a joke. We are the joke for laughing at him back then. 
so I just wanted to give him credit. Great job yesterday. I think he went eight, six. Uh, that, that's an awesome job. I think he got sixth overall. Uh, so he's, I mean, it's right up there with some of my best days ever. And I know the satisfaction and enjoyment you get from beating factory guys on a day like that. And, uh, yeah, let's just hope he gets the help. I think he deserves, um, it's not easy to break out of that privateer mold and have a team take a chance on you. Uh, trust me, I know firsthand. So I'm just hoping for the best. And I think, uh, I think brighter days are ahead for him, especially with the steps forward he took in two bitty supercross last year. I, I think somebody's going to take a chance on him. Number nine, I have Joey Savacci and he went, uh, what do you go? Seven, eight yesterday, six, eight. I don't know. He got seventh overall though, just behind Cody shock. And I know he was suffering pretty badly in that second moto, you could just see it. They, they panned to him for, you know, half a lap and he didn't look like he was trying all that hard. And I don't mean that in a way that he was intentionally not trying. I just don't think he really had much energy or much to give. And I think he's just battling the same things. Every, everyone else is, you know, Justin Bogle and Savai, all these guys are sick on some level. They are battling ailments, illnesses, nagging injuries, uh, where they are not a hundred percent. And I don't know that I've ever seen it this bad injury or not, not injuries, illness wise. And I don't mean serious illness at time. Some people do, you know, like, um, who was it? March banks is out this weekend with uh, Addison's disease, like stuff like that. But these viruses and short-term illnesses, it is running rampant throughout the sport right now. Number eight, guess what? Another guy with, with uh, a virus, Marvin Muskan was forced to sit out the weekend due to COVID-19 and yeah, I mean, Marvin was really taking steps forward as of late. Bud's Creek wasn't so good, but not terrible. And yeah, here we go. COVID and you're out. So we'll see how long he's out. If he makes a return uh, this weekend or is out for the rest of the series, who knows? I did hear he signed a Red Bull KTM contract. So that would be positive news for him, but I could see him missing the rest of the races. Who knows? You know, everybody's experience with COVID seems to be a little bit different. Number seven, Aaron Plessinger. Guess what? He DNF too. Not because of illness, but uh, because of the injuries that he sustained at Unadilla, uh, bruised internal organs. And you could just see his body's not ready. And I give him credit for wanting to fight through it and wanting to be out there. And there's a lot to be said for that. But at the same time, if you're not ready to go fight the whole time, are you really accomplishing a lot? You know, and I, I would bet that what's happening is he's going home. He rests on Monday, rests on Tuesday, and he'll go ride on Wednesday, Thursday and feels pretty good. You know, things are somewhat normal for him, you know, air quotes around somewhat normal. Like he feels like he's going to be fine. And then you get in the race, you push your body to the limit and your heart rates at 180, you're overheating because it was crazy hot. And your body's like, yeah, we're not ready for this. Like your organs are not functioning at a hundred percent. Like something's got to give here. And I think he's just had to, he's had to back out two weekends in a row. So I would bet that gets better and better. Like this weekend was better than buds. If he tries again at Paula, I would bet it's better yet again. Uh, and maybe he's fine to go the whole time, right? It's going to fix itself over time. I just wonder if he is helping the process or hurting it by continuing to try to be out there. I respect the decision. I'm always the guy that wants someone to try. If there's a question, I just don't know if you're a doctor, if you're looking at him going, man, you're, you're slowing this process down by straining your body so much, just let it heal. And then you'll be ready to go hundred percent. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, smart enough or qualified enough to make that distinction. 
Number six, another guy that's out, Justin Barsha. This one's from the concussion he suffered during the break. I don't know if he's coming back. You know, the the thought was that if Team USA is going to Motocross of Nations, that Justin would come back at the last two after they announced it just to make sure he stays in a rhythm and has momentum, you know, as we ramp into the end of September for Motocross of Nations. Now that Team USA hasn't been announced and and there are there is some talk that maybe they'll bail out of this thing. I really hope not. Um, I will be very upset if we decide not to go, but I know that rumor is out there. So my question is if that comes to fruition and team USA decides not to go, will Justin Barsha then decide to take the last two races off? I don't know. That's just what's kind of been running through my head. Now, whether Justin Barsha races the last two or not, I kind of don't care. It doesn't change my life either way, but I'm just following the, the dot plot here to steal a federal reserve term to see if there's any correlation, if Justin decides it's worth it or not worth it based off of team USA's uh, plans here. So just something to watch for there. Number five, Chase Sexton, kind of a weird day for Sexton, right? I thought he would be great. I thought, you know, he came off of a, a really strong day. It's really strong. Two weeks, real three weeks. Hell go back to Washougal, you know, wins a moto, Unadilla, awesome, has a huge crash, but Sekimoto is awesome. Then Bud's Creek, good again, got a little bit tired there, I thought. But then just Saturday at Ironman, where a track that he should be good on, it's it's his home race-ish kind of deal. You know, he's from Western Illinois. He just didn't have it. He just was not on the pace because he was there. He was right with the top guys, and he just couldn't go with them. So I don't know. You never know in this sport anymore. You don't. Maybe he was sick. Everybody else is sick, so why couldn't he be sick too? I don't know. Maybe he'll be forthcoming. Maybe he just had a bad day. That that can happen too. Maybe he just wasn't feeling it, quote unquote. Uh, but yeah, I did notice he didn't have the intensity and the pace and just that charge that we're kind of used to seeing from him. Number four, Cooper Webb. Good day for him, right? And there was talk, well, mostly from him, on the podium about this frame change and then the internet goes crazy and er tweeting and, you know, message boards and it's just out of control. But to put it to rest, really all they did was they removed a gusset on the front of the frame that they had previously applied. And a lot of these teams will add gussets to the frames to reinforce them, especially for supercross, whether it's to strengthen them against something going catastrophically wrong or to add some rigidity they're allowed to add gussets to the frame. They're not allowed to remove from the production standard frame, but if they add a gusset as far as a team goes for their race bike, they are then allowed to still remove that same gusset. That's what Cooper Webb did. And it's my belief that he was trying to get more flex out of the motorcycle because that's really what KTMs have been known for is they flex too much. A lot of guys are trying to add rigidity, especially at the pro level. They want it to be stiffer than the frame really a production frame provides. So they go to that gusset. Well, it sounds like Cooper didn't like that. And he's been begging for a minute to get a frame without that gusset on it. And it sounds like they finally relented. And yeah, I mean, who's to say what the reasons were, but it sounds like Cooper Webb believes that was the difference. That's why he was able to push the limit uh, harder. So let's see if he can find some continuation into Paula and into Hangtown. 
Uh, but it was noticeable. Uh, you know, both motos, he was significantly better than we've seen. Qualifying was better. And uh, kudos to Ryan Dungey for calling that out. And you wonder how much inside information Dungey had because he was on it right away. Like he was calling out Webb right away. So my hunch would be that Dungey knew about the uh, the frame change. And he knew that, that Webb was going to be better, at least more confident. And that typically leads to a better day in any case. Doesn't matter if the change is fundamentally better for everybody. If it gives you more confidence, a lot of times that is a boost in and of itself. Number three, Eli Tomac. What a day, right? I mean, I almost moved him to second over Ken Roxon, But when you look at Supercross, Kenny beat him. When you look at outdoors, Kenny's ahead of him. So I had to stick with Roxon at two, but Tomac, I mean, that's the kind of day you've been expecting from Tomac. You know, Ferranda still bested him in the first moto, but that's the Tomac we thought we would see really, you know, this entire 2021 year. And it hasn't been around very often. So I'm sure it felt good for him. I'm sure it felt good for Monster Energy Kawasaki because that relationship is coming to a close and you could just, you could see the enthusiasm in him after the race. You could see how excited he was. And he's a guy much like myself. I I can see myself in him where he doesn't exude emotion a lot, right? It's, it's really hard to tell what he's thinking, what he's feeling. He kind of, uh, keeps all of that on the inside. You could see that coming out of him. You could see how excited he was to really have a breakthrough day there. And more than anything, probably a sigh of relief just to have a solid day where he gets to win and, and gets to enjoy a full week of sleeping well and, and more answers than questions. Uh, so I was happy to, I was happy to see him, uh, to get that win. You know, how frustrated it had to be for him lately. Number two, Ken Roxon. not his best day, right? The first moto was okay, but that second moto, I believe that the heat got to him. Uh, I do a Patreon podcast on every race day morning that you can check out as patreon.com slash industry seating. And I kind of preview what I think is going to happen based on the weather, based on things that we just learned, like Marvin's COVID diagnosis, like all that stuff. I try to update everybody up to the last minute. Uh, It's that morning of the event. So there's nothing that's really that uh, with that much proximity to going racing than this Patreon podcast. And I talked about how hot it was going to be and the humidity and was Roxon going to be able to withstand it? Because not only did he have it at buds, which I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought he fought through it pretty well, but two weeks in a row is tougher, right? If your body is subject to difficulty under duress, like which heat would be right. A, A big cause of that multiple weekends of it are only going to add to the problem. It's really hard to recover get back to hundred percent and then face another really hard day like that again. And you could just see him laboring in that second moto when they panned to him with the camera. He had nothing. He had no intensity, had no charge. He was just holding on. He didn't even fight chase Sexton at all. And that is that's telltale sign of, I don't have anything like my energy is gone. I'm just riding this thing out. And yeah, thankfully for him, the field is pretty depleted because it could have gotten a lot worse very quickly. You know that, would he get fifth in the second moto? Sixth? Uh, fifth. Fifth. That could be ninth. You know, you give a full class of Marvin and Plessinger and all these guys, put those guys back in, Christian Craig and he, Dean Wilson. I'm just naming off guys that are missing from the series. He could be in the, he could be really far back really quickly, just like we saw at Washougal. 
picture perfect example, Washugal, healthier class, and there's more guys to take advantage of you when you are when you're hurting. And he was clearly doing so. Number one, Dylan Ferrandis. If you're not impressed by Dylan Ferrandis yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, he has been great this summer, and I do mean great. Fights off Tomac in that first moto, and I mean, really made a charge at him the second moto, and just you know, I, I think there's partially Tomac was too much, and then partially Ferrandis understands the situation too. You could see him when he got around Webb. He's like, I'm going to go get this guy, and then. I think once he put in a couple laps, like really sprinting hard and wasn't putting a dent into Tomac, then I think he's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not. And I'm not going to crash. I'm not going to do anything stupid because, quite frankly, I don't have to. I don't need to do this. My biggest or closest rival, points-wise, is Ken Roxon, and he's way the hell back there. I can't even see him. So I'm just going to cruise. I'm going to take a second overall, and I'm going to tip my cap to Eli Tomac today, and we're going to keep on cruising towards this championship because what's going to happen is if Ferrandis goes out and has another great day at Paula, he's going to wrap the damn championship up right there. It will end right there next Saturday. So I'm sure that is they're talking about that this week. He If he beats Rox in both motos, I, I think it'll be over. Um, I'm not, I don't have the points right in front of me, but it was 39 going in. It's got to be close to 50 now. And uh, yeah, that would be a really nice uh, little bonus there. Not financially, but to not have to deal with it at the finale at, at Hangtown, that would be that would be really really nice, I'm sure, and a, and a huge load off. And I think it's easy for all of us sitting at home to not understand or really think about because we just don't care most times. But we don't ever think about how much pressure these championship leaders are under all the time. Because every time they go riding, what if they crash? What if they sprain their ankle? What if they break their collarbone? You know. Things happen on a dirt bike. When you're pushing, you don't always have to make a mistake. Your bike can break. Your chain can break. We've seen that happen to Ferrandis already this year. You crash and something's stupid. You break your wrist. Like These things happen all the time to dirt bike racers. What if you get COVID? What if you get sick? What if you get a concussion? You're talking about millions of dollars that are now either gone or in serious jeopardy because it's not only about the championship bonus. That sure, that is a million dollars plus. That's a huge deal, but it's also the escalators slash accelerators in a rider's contract. So for a guy like Dylan Ferrandis, say he's making X this year, right? And, and it doesn't matter what you think X is. Say he's making X next year. The way these contracts are structured, he will make X plus I don't know thirty, forty, fifty percent. That's, that's, those are real numbers. And when you're talking about the number that X is jumping 50% is huge. That's a huge raise in his salary that he will automatically get if he wins the championship. That's how these contract contracts get written because your agent, that's his job is to go in and find ways to make more money, right? If you perform when people don't think you're going to, you get rewarded for it. And a lot of teams, gear manufacturers, uh, monster drink companies, or not energy drink companies, excuse me, but monster in this case, everybody involved typically is okay with that. If you overperform, they will allow you ways to ramp up your contract to reflect that. So when I say there's pressure on these guys, they're constantly in a state of worry all the time because they, if they do anything stupid, if anything be- 
befalls them. If they get a car wreck, who the hell knows what can happen on a day-to-day basis? But you've got this multi-million dollar cloud hanging over you if something goes wrong. So back to the point, if he could wrap that up next Saturday and be done, man, I can't even imagine. I guess I can because I've been around it with Reed and these guys and seen it. But the amount of stress and relief that is taken off of them in that moment is, yeah, incalculable. Or I guess it is calculable. It's millions of dollars worth of it uh, for for the long term too, right? Because what happens in these contracts, say you have a three-year contract, okay? When your number goes up, it doesn't come back down for the third year. A lot of times it goes up again. And once you establish a new normal as your going rate as a rider, unless you are wildly underperforming, typically it stays there. So it can be worth a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And that's terrible. That's terrible description by me, but I'm saying like multi millions because that when I say X turns into 30% plus X, then the next year it may go up to 50%, you know, X plus 50%. Well, the next contract you sign, unless you're doing poorly, they're going to start there. That 50% X plus 50% is now your new base. And then you maybe you have escalators again, right? So it's this snowball trickle up effect of your contract and it really kickstarts because you won that title in the first year when nobody expected. So uh, I just want to give you a little insight of how that can work. And it's not always just about your championship bonus. That's great. That is an immediate reward, but it can be for years and years it can be reflected in your contracts because of that that one that one win. So that's your power rankings for this week. I do have a couple honorable mentions: Christian Craig, Dino. Uh, there are a few guys that are on the cusp and have been in and out of this thing, and they're injured and and COVID and all kinds of things. Uh, so hate to leave those guys out because it's not really their fault. Um, but I did want to introduce a new, uh, especially I want to get Cody Shock in there, and then uh, I thought Savachi deserved to be in there too because he's got two top tens in a row. And then Unadilla should have been, but he crashed. So good job from all those guys. Uh, again, thank you to all the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli tires, check out that Scorpion MX 32 mini tire. They also sponsor guys like Carson Mumford and Cody shock and all these guys. So they deserve a ton of credit, uh, for helping out the privateers and they're getting, yeah, they're getting results. The results don't lie. Palm Creek. Oh, I did want to mention too. If you guys see that the new 2022 Honda CRF250 comes with Pirelli tire stock. That's a big deal. Um, in the world of OEM politics, that's a huge, huge deal. Uh, so congrats to them on that. Plum Creek funding, reach out to Zach Morris, get that refi done. If you listen to uh, Jerome Powell, our Federal Reserve chairman this week, he mentioned that things are starting to happen, right? They're going to start tapering their asset purchases. They haven't mentioned when they're going to do a rate hike yet, but it's coming. Uh, this is the beginning of that process. So we've been talking for what a year now about getting these refis done. I've been telling you, you have time, but there is a clock on this stuff. Well, the clock just got sped up a little bit. Uh, the clock is ticking much more loudly than it ever has been before on this deal. And if you, you know, you can get a a rate under 3%. You know, and if you've ever had mortgage rates in the six, seven, eight range, like I have, you know how bad that sucks. And you know how much money you throw in the garbage can every year, just paying interest. So point being, take advantage of it. Reach out to Zach Morris. Guts Racing, 
check out that RJ wide wing seat, get more grip, use the, the, the graphics that they offer too. rockstar Husky uses, uh, guts racing for their graphics choice. Uh, Andy Gregg and the crew over there. Great company GutsRacing.com and, uh, guts racing on Instagram. You can see all of the great products they have, but, uh, definitely would uh, recommend using those guys. They are first class operation, fast foundry, whether you're trying to automate your new systems, whether you're trying to get more efficient, you just need help with Excel, whatever the case may be, they are the people to talk to. Uh, they've worked with Fortune 500 companies. They work with startups. They work with every level of business for every application just to try to make your business improve upon itself. And I think one thing you could possibly do is just call them with a question, right? Is call them with a problem that your business has. And maybe you haven't been able to figure it out. Maybe it's just a problem that doesn't seem to have an answer. Well, that's what these guys do. They are the pros at developing solutions for your company. So reach out to uh, Rob at Fast Foundry and see what they can do for you today. Work Connection, use the promo code JT21. If you need more reason than they whole shot every single time with that Pro Launch Start device, I mean, look at the starts. Justin Cooper whole shots every damn time. Uh, you know, Factory Honda Boys use Pro Launch Start device from Works Connection too. Look at the starts they've been getting. And when you do get that pro on start device, remember the promo code JT21 to save yourself some money. Now, the great thing about that pro on start device is it's really easy to assemble. There are some other kits out there and, you know, there are competitors in the market that are really complicated, probably going to have to get help. Uh, if you're not very mechanically inclined like myself, why deal with any of that? Just go straight to the works connection, use what the pros use and choose works connection. Blenzo oils, check out that new, new ultra TPI, go to at Blenzo on Instagram, see all the great programs they are sponsoring. See Michael Lessie back out there on the two stroke on a Blenzo 252 stroke, getting ready for some racing. He was off the bike for like five months. And uh, I know Mike is a huge part of the Blenzo program. So good luck to him and just a great company, great people and moto to the core. They've been really involved with a lot of the vintage days and mid Ohio and a lot of the races that have been going on back East. So give them a look for your uh, oil and lubrication needs. Premier Vapor Blasting, check those guys out. Uh, Instagram is, I think, your best tool. Uh, ask for Brandon. Look at all the great things they can do. It's pretty late in the summer. I'm not going to say it, but I bet if you looked at your bike, it's pretty hammered right now, right? Late summer, unless you just got a new one. Maybe you just bought a new one, but I don't even know if they're out or available yet. But what I would recommend is you just got back from Loretta's. Your bike looks pretty beat up. Take off that stuff. Take off the clutch cover. Take off all those. Take off your radiator. Send them to Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia. Get them dialed in so your bike will look brand new again. They do such a great job. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the evidence is is really evident. Or evidence is evident. that I shouldn't say that's terrible. Uh, the evidence is pretty clear on Instagram of, of the great work that they do. 612 suspension, regardless of what you have, dirt bike, street bike, side by side. I don't care. I don't think they have anything for jet skis. I'm going to circle back and talk to Ronnie about it, but I don't think they do. But everything else, man, I really think that they can elevate your game. There are race tech affiliates. You're getting, you know, gold valves if you're doing a revalve, but that's what guarantees you that quality of service is that they're affiliated with race techs. You know, it has that name standing behind it. You can use, uh, if you mention the podcaster as well, you will get, uh, yeah, it gets a discount off of, uh, parts and labor grandstone boots. Check them out on Instagram and their website. 
I talk to somebody maybe once every couple weeks. They're asking me what I like, what I don't like, what should I get? And honestly, I have a bunch of everything. The only thing I don't have from Grandstone is the loafer. And it's just not my style. Nothing against it. Um, it's just not my style of, of shoe or boot. But everything else, man, I, I'm all in. I have all kinds of different stuff. And uh, I just got the... Uh, there's like a, It's like a slate color. I think it's called Storm is the, the color. But it's like this gray. It's freaking badass. Um, that's my, my current favorite at the moment anyway. So check those guys out. Pro Glow Wash. Uh, we had Ryan on a couple months ago telling us why we should choose a wash that's built for power sports, right? What does it do better? Why you shouldn't go buy something at the gas station or at Walmart because they're not purpose built for what we're doing, right? If you have that road grime or stuff from your chain lube, which is probably the most likely chain lube gets everywhere, choose something that will help get that crap off, right? It's formulated. There's a lot of big fancy terms that Ryan uses in that podcast that I am not smart enough to understand, but that's why you rely on experts. That's why you buy products that were built with you in mind, your use and your needs in mind. That's what ProGlow Wash does. There is a promo code. It's Moto15 that will save you 15% at checkout. And of course, Fly Racing, my day-to-day job, uh, we are finally shipping most of our 2022 products and I get sent videos all the time of this stuff in stores that makes me happy. And yeah, just another day of, uh, of Fly Racing. We had our big sales meeting here a couple weeks ago, got to see the whole company and yeah, it's, it's go time, uh, trying to get, yeah, get it into stores and get it out to the customers and make sure everybody's happy with it. So MotoGP, if you hate MotoGP, I understand you don't have to listen. I get it. Not that Steve Mathis listens to my podcast, but this is where he would sign off, but I do like it. And I think a lot of you do too. And if you're just trying to get into it, just stick with it. It gets better. You learn their personalities. I understand that they're foreigners and you they don't speak English very well and you don't know anything about them. You don't know their background. You don't know much about, you know, road racing. Like I understand all that. I was there. I, I lived through this like 2011 time frame. I had to go through all of these steps. Now I was very fortunate. I got to go to a lot of races. I went California, Texas, Europe a few times, and I was on the inside. I was in these garages. I was you know, high-fiving Rossi. Like I was very, very blessed and fortunate, my experience. So my development curve was pretty steep because I knew these guys, I was going to dinner with them for God's sake, you know? Um, and that's just something I, I don't deserve, but it happened. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be ashamed of it. I just very, very lucky, but I promise you, if you stick with it and you give it a chance, there's a reason why so many people love MotoGP because it's the absolute highest form of motorcycle racing, financially, uh, technically, you know, all engineering wise, all that stuff. So anyway, that's my spiel on why you should be a MotoGP fan. My first note on it is Mark Marquez, man, he's, he's my favorite rider for one. I used, I used to be a Rossi, Rossi used to be my number one guy because he was so cool to me all the time and let me stay at his place and ride his bikes and do all that stuff. I still love Valley for sure, but you know, he's in his twilight years and he's not really that competitive anymore. Um, Marquez to me is so unbelievably talented and impressive on a motorcycle. That's what really gets my respect. Uh, he does things that mere mortals can't do and maybe not so much at the moment, but his body of work, 
nobody was able to do the things that he was able to do for a several year stretch. The saves he would make, the just relentless pressure he put on everybody else and the domination that he just wielded over everybody else. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it, especially in my short run of uh, watching MotoGP anyway. But today, again, crashes. He cannot stay out of trouble. Takes out Jorge Martin with him. I don't know if he was pissed about Jorge Martin bumping into him, if that was a part of it, or he just got uh, a little impatient and threw it uh, threw it in the inside of Martin. But either way, uh, he apologized on Instagram. He took the blame for it. And yeah, I mean, we were all the losers for it. We didn't get to see any sort of battle. We didn't get to see if Marquez could get in there and challenge Fabio at all. So again, bummed out. It's been that kind of run for the last couple of years. I mean, if you're a Marquez fan, it's been a dark, dark time for you. And there are a lot of Marquez fans out there. So, oh, well, next week's a new week, I guess. I don't know when they race again, but next race is a new race. Fabio Quartararo, uh, yeah, he is the man right now. And I think what's most impressive is that he is so patient. He doesn't get overexcited. He takes what comes to him. And a day like today, he wasn't in any rush. You know, when he got to the front, he was just like, all right, I'm, I'm going away now. But you could see in the in the practice times that, you know, especially on race trim where the bike's set up for a long run, he was so much better than everybody. It was going to be really challenging for anybody to do anything with him over the course of 20 laps. And, I mean, that just played out. It really, you know, it was a pretty easy race for Fabio. And, and kind of the same thing I think for Jed. It, it is going to look easier than it probably was. But I don't think he was really stressing at any point. You know, even when he's in third or fourth, the guys out front couldn't really get away. And I don't think he was really under that much pressure per se. I think he was just kind of letting the race unfold, saving his tires, make sure he didn't do anything stupid. And then at the first sign of the guys out front, Paul Spargaro and Aleish and Renz and you know whoever else, uh, they have any sort of difficulty and they have to back off a little bit. He immediately jumps right on them, right? He takes it full advantage of that and goes to the front. And then it's smooth sailing. He's just gone. So that's the mark of uh, a true champion and what he is going to be very soon is, yeah, he's going to be your 2021 MotoGP world champion. I, I think that's pretty easy. You know, I think it was 60 point lead or something. Um, it would be really hard for anyone to say he's not the best guy out there right now, especially with Mark, Mark struggling. You know, I still think Mark can be there. I think Mark will be back in 22 and, and better than ever. Uh, they'll get to develop the bike. He'll get to practice more, get fully healthy. But Fabio's Fabio's the man right now. Maverick Vinales did not ride. Of course, he was, I don't want to say he was fired, but they went their separate ways. How about that? And so he signs his Aprilia contract, not racing. He has his first test uh, tomorrow, I believe, at Mizano. So we'll see what uh, what that looks like from, from Maverick. But he had to like what he saw from Alicia Spargo today, the bike looked very competitive. Alish gets a third place. And if you're Maverick, you're coming off of the championship winning team, which is Yamaha. He clearly wasn't happy there, but I think his biggest fear would be that he is going to take a huge step backwards in equipment. And it should be a fear, you know, going from one of, if not the best team in factory Yamaha to Aprilia, which Nothing against Aprilia, but they're not on Yamaha's level and resources or technology or any of that. And and 
I have no problem saying that. And if you're a huge Aprilia fan and you're, you're telling me to piss off, that's okay. That's just my opinion is that Yamaha, Yamaha is better. They have more money to throw at it. They have more engineers. They just have more of everything. And that's why they have the best riders and that's why they win. So that's the risk for Maverick is taking a huge step backwards in equipment, but it seemed like the bike was pretty good today. So that's really the point. Uh, Maverick had to be relieved and excited at how competitive that Aprilia looked today. Alex Renz, he gets a second place. That's pretty strong. Pretty damn good. He didn't crash. (laughs) That's literally what I wrote in my notes. He didn't crash today. It seems like every race he has crashed for months. And that's probably not true. I I get it. But that's what it's felt like for a guy that every single year could be a championship contender because he is that good. It has not been good this year. He has just crashed and crashed and crashed and not always his fault. Uh, But I think at some point crashing begets more crashing to where you almost are the, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're almost expecting the other shoe to drop. And for once it didn't, for once he was able to, to finish and get it done. And, uh, I don't know him at all. I've never talked to him, but I have felt a lot of frustration in my own, uh, endeavors and racing career, of course. And I know what it's like to finally have a breakthrough day and things go well for once. Even if you didn't win, I'm sure that second place felt exactly like a win. Last final note, uh, if you guys have been following closely, you saw that uh, Andrea Devicioso, uh, he signed a Yamaha contract. So he'll be on Patronus next year. He will replace uh, Franco Morbidelli, who will step up to replace Maverick Vinales on factory Yamaha. So this was, uh, I don't want to say a huge surprise, but a little bit. I didn't know if Dovi was going to come back. He's older, right? So Patronus is taking a chance, bringing in an older guy, because typically those satellite teams like that will go young. They will be the stepping stone for guys coming from Moto2, Moto3. And then if they perform to the highest standard, then they go to factory Yamaha, just like Morbidelli is doing, just like Carteraro is doing. That's the natural progression of these teams. So to bring in a guy like Dovi was a little bit unorthodox in my opinion, because they're going older instead of younger. So it's more of a, we want results now versus a, where we are developing this rider. And I don't know the internal conversations. I would guess that Patronus Yamaha just looked at and said, hey, this guy's too good to pass up. And we have an opportunity to really improve our team. So let's do it. The other part of that equation is that Dovi is renowned as a test rider. Uh, I've talked to many, many racers, Bradley Smith and other guys about this. And they all just rant and rave. Jack Miller, same thing. They all rant and rave about how good of a tester that Divisioso is. So to add Dovi onto a Yamaha where you have young guys, right? You have Quartararo who's young. Morbidelli's young-ish. He's not, I guess he's kind of average age. Um, But the guys they want to continue to develop and they bring up, I think that's a nice... Uh, part of the story there is they can continue to develop the bike and help Fabio stay the best. They can maybe take uh, Franco Morbidelli to the next step via the motorcycle. So I, I would guarantee, I don't know this, no one's told me this, but I would guarantee you that part of that decision to sign him onto Yamaha, because Yamaha is going to foot some of that bill. That's how this works. Yamaha's looking at it going, that's a great guy. He has so much experience with the motorcycle to have him in our corner to help develop the bike for Fabio 
is a win on every level. Uh, and then if we get some results, we get Fabio on, or uh, excuse me, we get Dovi on the podium, even better. Like he's certainly capable of that. So there, that's a win on a, on a lot of levels. And personally, I really like Dovi. He is a huge motocross fan. I saw him at Majora uh, a month or two ago. He was just hanging out. And uh, yeah, so to see him back, I think is a win. And again, on a personal level, I'm cheering for him. So anyway, that's it for this week. I appreciate you all listening. Thank you to uh, listening to me ramble through the uh, the sponsors there. I know I, you know I listen to podcasts all day. I probably listened to two or three of them already today. So I get it. Sponsors are a part of the game though. This is how this works. And these are great motocross companies that are battling hard and they're spending... They're spending their dollars to try to attract you and your dollars. So uh, please give them a look. If you buy something, great. If you don't, at least you learned a little bit more about the company. So maybe you will next time. All right, guys. See you.